I wonder where the phrase, no pain, no gain, comes from. Who made that up? You ever want to just punch that person and then see what they think about it? After our trip to Thailand, I've come to think that perhaps that phrase, no pain, no gain, came from a Thai masseuse. Lindley and I went together and got a massage from a a Thai masseuse. And, And let me just tell you, they call it deep tissue massage. That could be called pain, just simple pain. And, you know, it's supposed to be really good for you. So while she's cranking down on me with her elbow on my neck, sending pains through my back, I'm telling myself, this is really supposed to be good for me. And uh, have you ever had an experience like that where something that is painful is supposed to be good for you? Anybody not had that kind of experience? Because if you haven't, this series will be that experience. Um, I I really think that there are going to be several times over the course of this semester when we're digging into this concept of words matter that we're going to feel some pain along the way. Maybe maybe you begin to even sense that as I shared this little intro with you about unintentional sin and willful sin with your mouth. And I, I just hope that as we go through this and we have those moments where the Spirit of God may be cranking down on our spiritual neck about how we use our mouth, that we would really know that the pain that might come from this study will really be fruitful for the Lord. And so I I totally anticipate stepping on our toes, and I'm just glad you're here with me to have your toes stepped on along with me. And so we'll just walk through this journey together. And I hope that it will be an encouragement to you as I know it is going to be in my own heart, in my own life. Um, Look look with me. We're going to look at several scripture passages. Let's start with Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. We're going to look at several passages. So if you can turn with me, that's great. If you can't keep up for some reason... Um, please jot down the references and read them at a later time. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So what am I praying comes out of this series? I'm really excited about it because I'm praying and I believe that the Lord is going to use this series to move us as a church body more and more the direction of using our mouths to bring life instead of using our words in such a way that it would bring harm and death. And, and I hope you'll just join me in that prayer. Lord, will you move in our lives during these months that we focus on this subject so that we would use our words to bring life and not death. So if you join me in that prayer, I'd really appreciate that. I want to jump into this concept that words matter, that every single word matters. Everything we say really does matter. And so let's, let's look at a passage. We're going to look at several. Let's start in Matthew chapter 12. So flip over to Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 36 and verse 37. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people have to account for every 
careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, or by your words you will be condemned. So every single word that comes out of our mouths matters. Now Jesus is saying this to a group of Pharisees who had just told a group of people who had watched Jesus heal and deliver a blind, demon-possessed man that Jesus did that miracle because he's in partnership with Satan. These Pharisees just tell a group of people, I'll tell you how Jesus did that. He's buzzed with Satan, and that's how he's able to control the demon. Well, Jesus then tells the Pharisees, I just want you boys to know that every word you speak, you're going to give an account for on the day of judgment. And so he's telling them, you better be careful about what you say, period, but specifically and particularly what you say about me. Now, from what Jesus tells the Pharisees, I think we can pretty much understand for our own lives that every single word that we say matters before a God who's going to call an accounting for every word we say, especially the words we say about God, the words we say to God, and the words we say for God. Those are the words that matter most. And the reality is that every single word we say matters. Everything that comes out of our mouth matters. Just, just think about it from the standpoint of the things that come out of your mouth that should not have come out of your mouth. You ever had one of those moments where words come out of your mouth and you can really see them just leaving your mouth and you're wanting to grab them and stuff them back in? I can remember the first time that I told my mom to shut up. I don't advocate that, kids. But I remember the first time I did that, the second I did it, I wanted to say to my mom, can we back up for a second, pretend that never happened? And you know, that does not happen. It doesn't work that way. Once the words come out, you cannot retrieve them. I've said on many occasions, too many accounts, things to Lindley, that in the moment... I said them, I knew immediately, I wish I'd have never said that. I've said things to my children many times, and after I said it and I saw their countenance fall, their spirits hurt, I wished immediately I had never said that. I can remember sitting right here on this stage years ago, having a meeting with some people that really cared about the direction of our church, and they were telling me some things that they really cared about, and I was trying to convey to them that I was okay that they cared so much about that, but the way that I said it came across like I didn't care about them, and the moment I said it, I wished I never had said it because I could not retrieve it or change the perception of it, and it was a terrible experience. I mean, in every area of my life, and you're probably just like me, you've had moments where you've actually said something that you shouldn't have said and you wished you'd never said it and you can't take it back. And you know that words matter so much. You also know that words matter so much based on what you actually say that actually works out to be for someone's good. You know, when you say something to someone and you have that thought the moment it comes out of your mouth, where did that come from? If you have that thought, that feeling, you say something and then the next thing you know is, the next thing you think is, where did that thought come from? And, and then you watch that statement, that sentence, that paragraph just, just fall down on the situation like, like this cool afternoon rain and all of a sudden this amazing thing happens in front of you and, and some circumstance is incredibly difficult or somebody that was really hurting, everything's changed. Everything begins to move in a different direction and all of a sudden you're sitting there thinking 
wow, that's incredible. I cannot believe what just happened with what I said, that God used my words to do that much for his glory. And I don't even know where that came from. But when that happens in your life, you recognize in that moment that what you say matters. Those are the two strongest experiences of things coming out of our mouth that confirm for us experientially that words matter a great deal. Then you you combine that with the reality that Jesus said that every single word we speak, we will give an account for on the day of judgment. And we know what we say really does matter. But don't jump to conclusions too quickly because what we don't say also matters. Think about what you don't say. Have you had that experience where you're in a situation and things get a little bit emotional, a bit heated, and you think about what you're going to say and you have it all planned out and you're ready to get in there and say what needs to be said and all of a sudden you just realize, I can't say anything right now. It just would not be right. And you choose in that moment when everything in you is saying to say something, but you know you can't say it right, you can't say it well, and probably what you're going to say is not good. And so you just refrain in that moment from saying anything at all. And all of a sudden, you see that what you didn't say mattered so much. And God just unfolds a work before your eyes. And you think, I am so thankful that I did not say anything. See, words matter so much, even the words we don't say. But you can also think about it from this perspective. It's not just the words that we, that we don't say that are helpful. You know, Proverbs ten nineteen says, when words are many, sin is not absent. So are those moments where we need to pull back and not say something? But also there are things in our lives times in our lives when we don't say something and it matters so much because we should have said something. Let's look at another scripture together, Matthew chapter 10. Just flip over a couple pages to Matthew chapter 10. Look at verse 32. Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. Have you had one of those moments in your life when you encounter a lost person or maybe a person you don't know their spiritual condition? You don't know whether they're saved or lost. You just know that in that moment, you need to say something about the Lord. And it's a strong impression. And you just feel this urgency. I need to tell them something about the gospel. And you don't. And you walk away from that situation. And you get in your car, you get to your house, you get in your bedroom, your living room, and you sit there and you say, I really should have said something. Because it was clear God was laying something on my heart. And I didn't. And the scripture says in this passage that if you're ashamed before people, then Jesus will be ashamed before the Father regarding you. 
mean, the scripture is full of warnings, admonishing us that we might recognize that words really matter. Words that we say that we shouldn't have said. Words that we say that we most definitely should have said. Words that we refrain from saying because it's better not to say anything. And words that we should have said but chose not to. In every way, in every way you can think of this phrase, words matter, words really matter. And no words matter more than the words we say about God and to God and for God. And that's what we're going to try to tackle together over the next several months. Our words about God, our words for God, and our words to God. Because the words that matter most are those words. And I'm convinced if we focus on getting those kinds of words right, it will trickle down and affect all our other words in our lives. And man, don't we need help with that? I mean, I mean, if words matter this much, we can't stop speaking, can we? We can't just shut it off because words need to be said. How will anyone hear if we don't speak? I mean, words need to be said, and so we can't shut it down, but we can't do the opposite. We can't just open the floodgates of our mouths, can we? Not when there's passages like James chapter 3. Won't you look over there with me at that passage? This will put a stop on that open mouth syndrome. James chapter 3. You know, I, I read that if, if we were to take our conversations, the average number of conversations we have every day, and we were to uh, compile all those conversations in book form over the course of 12 months, that on average we would fill up uh, over 100 books of 200 pages each per year. Some of us might only have 50 books and some of us might have 1,000 books, but average we would have about 100 Bottom line is, it doesn't matter how little you speak or how much you speak, we're all using a whole lot of words. And we need to pay attention to the things that Scripture is saying to us, particularly in passages like James chapter 3. Let's read that verse 3. Now, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide the whole animal. And consider ships, though very large, driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, Wherever the will the pilot directs, so too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest is, is a, a small fire ignites, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body and sets the course of life on fire and is set on fire by hell. Every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. 
We praise our Lord and Father with it. And we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? Or can a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt water spring yield fresh water. So, the tongue cannot be controlled by any single one of us. And though it is incredibly small, you can see from this passage that it is enormously dangerous. There's not a person in this room that has not been hurt by somebody saying something hurtful to them, whether intentional or unintentional. The tongue is incredibly dangerous. Set on fire by hell itself can ruin your entire life. I mean, don't you get the impression we need help? We, we need somebody who can control the bridle that controls the bit that controls the horse of our life. We need somebody who can control the rudder that controls the ship of our life. We need somebody who can control the fire of our tongue so that our body does not get set ablaze and ruined by virtue of what we say. Words matter so much that God's going to call to account everything we say. And here we are in full awareness of what God is going to do on the day of judgment. And our tongues are a fire that are straight from hell that will burn and incinerate us and everyone around us. We need help. And I'm so grateful that God has done something that can help us tremendously. I want you to look back at Matthew chapter 12. Look back at Matthew 12. Look at verse 34. Talking to the Pharisees, same conversation. He says, brood of vipers, that's not a compliment, by the way. Brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good man produces good things from his storeroom of good. And an evil man produces evil things from a storeroom of evil. What is Jesus' implication toward the Pharisees here? Remember, he ends by saying here in this, in this passage, he ends this communication with them, by your words you will be justified or acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. What do you think Jesus is implying that's going to happen to the Pharisees if they keep doing what they're doing? Condemnation, right? So he's saying to them, you boys are evil. That's in your heart. That's why you're saying about me what you're saying. The reason you're saying that I'm teamed up with Satan and that's how I'm casting out this demon is because in your heart you are evil. And the reason you're saying that is because every time you speak, you give opportunity to reveal your heart. 
That's why what you say is so evil because your heart is evil. There's our hope. You see, Jesus Christ, when we trust him as Lord and Savior, you know what he does with our hearts that are evil and broken and bent against him? He makes us brand new. He forgives us of our sin. He cleanses us of all our unrighteousness. And he puts his Holy Spirit to live right here in our lives so that he says in John, he makes his home in our hearts. So who inhabits your spiritual heart? Jesus Christ. How clean is your heart right now where you sit? The righteousness of Christ. So how do you know that this tongue that is uncontrolled by anyone on the face of the earth can be controlled in your life because you have a different heart than these Pharisees? You have the ability, you and I have the God-grace-given ability to see him transform this mouth from a, a, a weapon of death to a vessel of life Because he has transformed our hearts. Now here's the reality. If if you spend any time at all contemplating this subject, I suspect you'll be at a very similar place that I find myself. I hate that I can use my mouth to hurt people. I hate it. And I get so frustrated. And there are moments in my life I just think, what in the world am I doing? Why can't I just get a handle on this? And I get frustrated with it and I start to lose sight of the fact that what came out of my mouth is indicative of a habit of an old heart. It's not indicative of the future of my life with the heart Christ has given me. And I can embrace the promise of God of having a renewed heart and I can strive forward to make sure that more and more of what comes out of my mouth really is life-giving and less and less of what comes out of my mouth is death-giving. I can believe that the Lord transformed me and that I can experience practical, real, ongoing change. And I'm so thankful that Lindley could stand up in front of you tonight and say, Kevin is far from perfect. He's a lousy person at home sometimes with his mouth. But you know what? 22 years later, I've seen the Lord work just a little bit with that new heart. She'd probably right after that say, but a lot more needs to go on. But man, I have hope. We have hope tonight. That that words matter so much. And through trusting in Jesus Christ, we can see change in our lives with this mouth that once only knew evil, but because of God's grace can now know life, blessing, the gospel. We're going to work a lot on this over the coming months and get really in detail about some of those areas that we talked about for God, to God, and about God.
But tonight I want to give you just an idea of some simple steps you can take to move forward tonight. Because if you're like me, I don't want to wait one month to deal with the next deal. I want to really have a grasp on something I can do now that puts me in a place of experiencing God's transformation on the basis of having a new heart. I want my words this month to matter in the most God-glorifying way. I want to see me say more of what should be said, less of what should not be said. I want to see in my heart the discernment to know when I should say nothing. And I want to see in my life saying things that should be said to the people that need to hear it most. So let me give you a couple ideas of taking some steps forward. Step number one is humility. It's just humility. And, and I know it's not easy to be corrected. It's not easy to be told you're wrong. Um, I didn't choose this subject because I have it all together. Um, so as we walk through this, I'm going to be doing more and more confessing because I need the Lord to control my tongue in every area of my life for His glory. And so do you. And that means we're going to experience correction. We're going to experience the Lord saying, you're wrong and you need to change. And the best way to approach the reality of being told you're wrong is to just go ahead and decide, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to allow myself to be corrected. There's some of you tonight going to go home, you're married, and your spouse is going to want to say to you, I hope you heard what was said tonight. And your spouse may figure out a way to say that in the kindest way possible, in the least wounding way possible. But the bottom line is, however your spouse may say it to you, you're going to have to be willing to be corrected. It's going to require humility. Some of you may go home tonight and you may say to yourself, I know my spouse should say something to me. And he or she probably won't because they're afraid of how I'll use my mouth in response. And instead of waiting for your spouse to come to you, you need to go to your spouse. You know what that's going to take? Humility. Some of you students here tonight, you said some things to your parents that are kind of like that moment I said, shut up to my mom. And tonight, you may need to go home and say to your mom and dad, I've used my tongue in a way that has not been honoring to God. And I want to humble myself before you. You may tell you the quickest way to a hard heart. The quickest way to a hard heart, which will lead to bad words every time. The quickest way to a hard heart is to not confess your sin. And the people who do not confess their sins to the Lord and to others are people who do not frequent humility. Are you with me? Humility. Don't bypass that step. Because none of the other ones will work if you don't start there. Step number two, create a pattern in your life of listening to the Holy Spirit before you speak. So, you've got an opportunity to speak, whether it's in your mind trivial or whether it's in your mind significant. You just say to the Lord, Lord, I want to pay attention to your spirit. I want to 
create a pattern of listening to you, and I just want to listen to you before I say anything. If you'll simply start practicing that pattern, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. If, if we will begin to do that, I think we will all be amazed at how often what we say changes from what it would have been had we not acknowledged the Spirit's control over our tongue. So seek to create a pattern where you're saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to control my tongue. I cannot control it. No man can control the tongue. If I try to control it, I will create a fire that will burn people's lives up, including my own. So I'd really like to pay attention to you better so that when I speak, you've had something to say about what I say. Create a pattern. Just talking to the Lord about the Spirit of God speaking through you before you speak. Students, you're going to go and talk to your parents about something? Just say the prayer to the Lord. Lord, I want you to help me talk in a way that is glorifying to you. Spirit of God, please take control of my tongue. Husbands and wives, I think we ought to try this. Before we engage in conversation with our spouses, Lord, I just pray that you would enable me. Friends, co-workers, before I go into work today, Lord, I pray your spirit would just take control of my tongue so that the things I say are useful in your hands for bringing life. Create a pattern. All right, number three, set a guard over your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says the heart, uh, says to guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4.23. So guard your heart. One of the greatest ways to guard your heart is to fill it with God's word. Every day, spend time letting God's word saturate your heart. And then spend time with the Lord confessing your sin. That is the greatest way to guard your heart. Set a guard over your heart through saturating it with the word of God daily. And spend time every day in confession before the Lord. So guard your heart. Number four. Be courageous. Be courageous. Um, see, the Lord changed our hearts. Just, just follow this logic out. The only way people know about Christ is if they hear it, right? That's what the scripture says, Romans 10. No one's going to hear unless someone tells them. So the only way people are going to be saved is if somebody gives them the gospel through engaging with them in conversation, telling them, showing them, reading it to them, explaining the gospel. Here we are, sinners, who have broken hearts that generate words of evil. But Jesus Christ has transformed us, given us new hearts, and now guess what's supposed to be coming out of our lives? Not salt water, fresh water. So out of our mouths is supposed to come a direct reflection of our hearts. What's the message imprinted upon our hearts as followers of Jesus Christ? Righteous because of Christ, because of God's grace, because of God's love, not because of me, not because of anything else. This is God's work. This is the power and the message of the gospel. And that heart right there is supposed to be revealed in everything we say. 
If, if that's what God has done, then have some courage in your life to step out and say something that would help anybody in your life see your heart. Just be courageous and say some things in your life regularly that are about the gospel. Your workplace, in the classroom, in your home. Say what should be said when it should be said. Have some courage. There was a guy who was here on Sunday and after I preached that sermon, he was standing in the pew there just praying and he felt compelled to pray for me. And so he started to pray for me and he he just felt like the Lord was saying, no, you need to go and actually... Put your hands on Kevin and pray for him. And this gentleman said to the Lord, No, that's okay, I'll stay here and pray for him. He started to try to pray and he said, The Lord just said, No, you go up there. No, I'll stay here. No, you go up there. All right, I'll go up there, you know. And he came up and uh, he prayed a prayer for me. And tonight I said to him, I said, Thank you so much for praying for me. You know what he said to me? He goes, That wasn't me. That was God. And I said, you're right. Our words matter. And God saved us so that our words would become words of life. And I'm looking forward to the day of judgment when we'll have to give an account for all the words we've spoken that reflect the heart God gave us in Christ. That is what we have to look forward to in Jesus. And I say we pursue that with even more fervor. Amen?